One of the burdens that I have for my own life is to see myself mobilized to live on mission with Jesus, mobilized to see the lost people in my life, to love them, to pray for them, to serve them, and share the good news of Christ with them. To mobilize is to, to get moving. And it's not only a burden for myself, it's, it's a burden for us here at Redeemer Community Church, not only to see our lives transformed by Jesus Christ, but then to mobilize our lives for the sake of people who do not know the grace and the love of God in Jesus Christ. I've said it before, but it's all over the vision of Redeemer. We want to joyfully follow Jesus and help others do the same. We want to be passionate about the glory of God and the gospel of God and the word of God and the people of God and the mission of God. That he has sent you and me on mission. Jesus said, as the Father sent me, so I send you. Jesus wants his people to be mobilized on the move for the sake of those who do not know him. We talk about our strategy at Redeemer, worship gatherings and community groups and service teams and mission circles. We want all of us to make worship gatherings a regular part of our life, and then we want to be in a community group, a, a, a smaller thing where we can be known and know others and encourage one another and grow in the Lord. And we want to be on service teams, kids ministry, student ministry, worship ministry, greeter ministry, whatever it might be, using our gifts to help Redeemer. And then we want to live on mission in our circle, in my circle, in the world. And we talk about our marks, and one of those is to share the gospel. And so it's very easy to talk about. It's really hard even to mobilize myself with such a thing, much less a church family. The last couple of years, we've done things called Awaken West Houston with other churches here in our city. If you'll remember two years ago, um, over 4,000 believers here in our city were given a list of 17 names that they would be praying for for 40 straight days, even fasting for that God's mercy would come to those people through the gospel of Jesus. And last year we did Awaken West Houston, and rather give you 17 names of people you don't know, we ask you to identify eight people that you do know here in our city who do not know Christ. And for 40 days to pray and to fast and even look for opportunities to build relationship with them and maybe even share the gospel with them. I want to end this morning with a bit of a teaser for what I think we might do in the spring of 2024 to help mobilize us for mission. Not only us, but our partners with Christ Together, Katie, here in the city. I think this is what our parable is about this morning. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Luke chapter 15. We'll begin or continue our study through some of the parables of Jesus. This parable is famous, maybe the most famous of them all. 
And it is one of the most beloved parables. And, 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 and that becomes absolutely clear why that is so. But I wonder sometimes, is it so beloved because we stop short with it? If we, don't, if, if we go all the way with the parable, it might not be our favorite anymore. Because I think this parable leaves us with a question. A question that's not always easy. To answer. This is the parable of the prodigal son. Really, two sons in the store. We focus on one. The other leaves us with a question. But at least the first part of the story is simply this that the father rejoices over the reconciliation and restoration of humble, repentant sinners. We're going to see a sinner. And we're going to see God, the Father, restoring that sinner, accepting that sinner, rejoicing over the humble repentance of that sinner. What a great story. In verse 11, And Jesus said, A man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. Now, this is going to be the sinner in the story. And many will make much of the fact that this young boy, probably a teenage boy, is late, late teens, probably single. He's asking for his inheritance even before daddy is dead. How rude that would have been, we're not so sure. But he wants his stuff, and we'll soon see he wants out of daddy's house. Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them. The eldest son would have gotten two-thirds of the estate. The younger son, this younger son, one-third of the estate. He wants what's coming to him, and he wants it now, and he gets it. And not many late days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant country. He wants out of the father's house. He wants, he wants to go somewhere where he can spread his wings. And we'll find out, maybe sow his wild oats. He doesn't want to be under the care of the Father, the watchful eye of the Father, the expectations and the like of living at home. And so he's gone. He went on a journey to a distant country, and there he squandered his estate with loose living. You ever see those, you know, the little memes or whatever? I don't know what you would call it. People just taking money and doing this. That's seemingly what this young boy's doing. He has gotten his cash, and yet now he's just squandering it, living it up. Food, drink, women, a party lifestyle. And he squandered it all. In verse 15, when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country, and he began to be impoverished. So 
life is crumbling on him, life is collapsing. Not only has he spent everything that he had, but now a severe famine is going to hit the country. So he did all that he can do. In verse 15, he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country. And he sent him into his fields to feed swine. This citizen of the country is a Gentile. We know that because this Gentile owns pigs. And pigs were unclean to Jews. And so this boy who has squandered all of this stuff and is impoverished and is desperate has hired himself out to a Gentile. And the job that he has is to go into the fields and feed these unclean, pigs. This would be dishonorable for any Jewish person, and yet here he is. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating, and no one was giving anything to him. He's without money, he's without family, he's without help. He's in bad shape. In the story, he's a picture of all of us. Picture of sinners before God. We've turned away from him to whom we owe all things to pursue our take on life. We've turned away from the fountain of living water and turned aside to broken cisterns that do not hold. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. Just like the boy in this story. And he is experiencing the great consequences of his sin. The proverb says that the way of the transgressor is hard. And this boy is finding out the hard way that that is indeed true. Sin never pays off. It never delivers. It always falls short of its promises. But in verse 17, but when he came to his senses, he said, so what a phrase, he, he came to his senses. How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I am here dying with hunger. I will get up and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. If we were to apply all of our theology to this, we would know he got to this place by grace. But here in the story, he just, in, he in his experience, he came to realize he has done foolish by turning away from the love, the grace, and the provision and kindness of his father and to go his own way. He has destroyed his life 
and he seemingly considers his ways, and it leads him to repentance. There's nothing fake about what's going on here. This boy is at the bottom. And he surmises, my only hope is to go back to my father and make no claims, no expectations, just cast myself before him for his mercy and grace. So that's what he's decided to do. He's going to come humbly, and he's going to come repentant. He's going to cast himself upon God or his Father for mercy. Don't treat me as I deserve. And grace, do treat me as I don't deserve. He knows that he deserves nothing. In fact, he does deserve something. He deserves to be rejected and not taken back at all. But he's asking for something that he doesn't deserve, and that's to simply be regarded as one of his hired men. The boy's humbled. He's making no claims, no demands, no expectations, just a plea for mercy. So in verse 20, he got up and came to his father. So the, there's the story of the first son. Now here's the story of the father's response. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. So everybody has surmised about this, that the father is looking for him. He's waiting for him. The boy is still a long way off, but his father sees him and felt compassion for him. It's, it's a word that, that describes the bowels being moved. His heart goes out to his son. As I was looking at this, I couldn't help but think of Psalm 103. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us, just as a father has compassion on his children. So the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. And here is the father, sees his son, feels compassion, and ran. Many point out that this, this would have been embarrassing to a man in this culture to have to gird up his loins and go running like this, but he does, and he embraces him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And again, many point out, before he could even get the words out, make me as one of your hired men, the father interrupts him 
father said to his slaves, quickly bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fattened calf, kill it, let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found and he began to celebrate. The father ran to him, embraced him, kissed him. Put a ring and a robe and sandals and said, let's get the fattened calf. One that would have been waited on for very, very special occasions, and yet this is the occasion. Bring the fattened calf because we are going to celebrate. If you'll look just a bit in front of this verse, verse 3, If he has a hundred sheep and has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open pasture and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I tell you that in the same way there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. So when the lost sheep is found, the shepherd rejoices and throws a party. Verse 8, Or what woman, if she has ten silver coins and loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? When she has found it, she gets that we might build relationship with them and enjoy them, and get to know them, and encourage them, and help them, and hopefully be able to share the love of Christ with them. Brothers and sisters, those of us who know the Lord Jesus, we know that we were a sinner. Whether, whether it was the sinner on the left or the sinner on the right, we know that we were sinners. And along the way, somebody shared the good news of the gospel with us. And we came to faith in Christ. And we love it. And that good news of the gospel has been entrusted to us. And like Jesus, who was unafraid to hang out with people who were far from God, so it should be with you and me. Because God loves to receive sinners back to himself. Let's pray. Father in heaven, would you please mobilize the men and women, boys and girls here at Redeemer Community Church who know the Lord Jesus, would you please mobilize us to be like our Savior. Why are you seeking tax collectors and sinners? Because that's why I'm here. And Lord Jesus, you said, as the Father sent you, so you have sent us. So I pray 
you'd mobilize me and my brothers and sisters here that we might be on the alert to people in our life who are far from God. And would you give us wisdom in how best to go about it? Help us to pray for sure. Help us to love and to serve, to help where we can. And then, Lord, show us when and how best to talk about Christ and his love for them. We need your help. We pray for it now in Jesus' name. Amen.